A little hidden history, a little pedagogy, a lot of ways we can improve our teaching and mindset so that our history and social studies classrooms tell a more complete, diverse human story. I'm Cheryl Ann Amendola, and this is the Teaching History Her Way podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Teaching History Her Way podcast. My name is Cheryl Ann Amendola, and I am your host for today. Today, we'll be talking about what new teachers need in their toolbox, specifically social studies and history teachers, but in general, all of these are good pieces of advice for any teacher, any pre-service teacher, any new teacher, any teacher who just feels like they need a little extra push or boost to get themselves back into the teaching profession in a way that they feel good about. So I've put together some things that I feel are really, really important for new teachers, new teachers that I mentor, new teachers that I just chat with on the side. And I've been talking to one of my friends who is a brand new professor and an excellent one who teaches pre-service social studies teachers about what they need to know to be successful in the profession, but also to feel successful and to feel like they are being effective teachers. So I put together six pieces of advice, and I know there are so many more, and I would love it if you would comment on this podcast or comment on my Instagram at Teaching History Her Way or on my Twitter page, History Her Way, or on Facebook, and let me know of some advice that you think new teachers should follow in the profession. So the first one that I think is the most important is to build trust with your students. You can't teach your students anything unless they trust you because they want to know that you're not out to get them. And I'm not saying that any teacher really is, but they feel like their education is important and that their grades are important and that's a conversation for another day. But they want to know that they can trust you to be fair, but they also want to know that they can trust you to believe in them that they can trust you to respect their identity, no matter what that may be, and that they can trust you to create a brave space in the classroom where they can be themselves. And being themselves could be something to do with race or gender or ethnicity or sexuality, but it could also have something to do with they're a quiet student. They may not participate a lot, but there are ways that you can tell that they are being attentive simply by watching them. Are they making eye contact? Are they writing notes in their notebook? Are they participating in activities? Are they doing homework or other assignments that you're giving? All of those things are a student being that authentically themselves as a quiet student. And if they can trust you to know that they are engaging in their own quiet way, I think that's really, really powerful. Building trust is key in my classroom. When we're teaching history and social studies, you know as well as I do, we teach a lot of things that are really hard to talk about. We talk about enslavement, we talk about erasure, we talk about violence, racism, prejudice, sexism, homophobia. There is so much that we talk about in our classrooms because if we don't, it doesn't create an accurate picture for our students and it's not teaching them about the world that we live in. So building trust is so, so, so critical in helping students open up to you about these things and about these issues. And also it helps them listen better because they're more likely to listen to a teacher that they trust and work for a teacher that they trust as well. Think about your experience as a student and the teacher that you liked the most. 
it is likely that you had a really good relationship with that teacher and the reason you remember them, even if you don't remember much of their subject, and maybe you do, maybe you had an amazing social studies or history teacher and you went on to become a historian, write a book, become a social studies teacher or a department chair. Think about that teacher and how you were able to love their class because you had that relationship with them, because you trusted them. My second point for you, pre-service teachers, is to ask questions. Ask, 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 ask. Always. It is okay for you not to know everything. So for example, and this also goes into building trust, you don't know all the history of all of the world that ever happened. If you have a student ask you a question and you don't know the answer, say, I don't know, and then follow through and get back to that student. I had a student last year who asked me about Asian American women in the suffrage movement. And number one, I should know much more about it. So it led me to do some more research and I'm planning on furthering my education through some grants for this particular subject. But I also told her I would get back to her and asked someone who did know the answer and did some research so that I could get back to her. But then also there are some times when I don't know what's going on in the building with the schedule. So I ask if there's a schedule change and I don't understand it. Or I don't know where to find the pens and the pencils. And many years ago, I didn't know where the supply closet was. So I asked about it. If I am confused about the lesson plans that my colleagues and I put together for this week, I go and I ask my other colleague, what are you doing? Where are you in the material? What should I be doing or what do you think might be best? And then I get an answer. Asking questions is critical. If you are teaching a student and you are not sure to how to get through to them or you are teaching a student and what you are doing doesn't seem to be working or you notice that there might be a problem, ask someone in the building for help. It is okay to ask for help and it is okay to ask questions. In fact, as a department chair, some of my favorite people to work with in this building and some of my favorite people in my department ask questions all the time. And we communicate with each other. Communication as a teacher is key. Communication with parents is key. Communication with students is key. Communication with other teachers is key. Communications with administrators is key. So you just need to make sure that you are asking all those questions. Do not ever be embarrassed to ask a question. My third piece of advice is somewhat related to the last one about asking questions, and it's find a mentor. You may be assigned a mentor in your building. That's awesome. Make sure you use that resource. And if you love your mentor and you think your mentor is great, stick with them. When I first started teaching, I am lucky. I had a couple of mentors. One was assigned to me and the other one I sought out on my own because I thought he was just the most brilliant teacher I'd ever come across. And they are still my mentors 17 years later. I ask them questions still. I run things by them and they don't work with me any longer. My one mentor is retired and the other has since moved on to another school, but I still ask their advice and I still talk to them about what they think is best for students and about the material that we're teaching. And the advice of a mentor can be invaluable. Now, if you're assigned a mentor who you think is good or okay, or maybe you just don't vibe with that person, that's fine too. 
find someone in the building who's going to be your teacher bestie, your person that you go to, to ask those questions and to watch, make sure you go observe your mentor. And then if there are other people in the building that you're interested in, maybe your mentor can help hook you up with them so that you can watch them teach. It is so very, very important to watch other teachers and follow their example or not if it doesn't fit for you. My next few pieces of advice are going to move away from the social emotional aspect of being a teacher and move more into material and resources that you can use. So as far as I'm concerned, teachers are lifelong learners. We are in this profession because not only do we love to teach and not only do we love children, I think those are two pretty key things, but we also love to learn and we want to pass that on. And part of the example that we set is us going back and learning things through professional development opportunities by going back to school. There are lots of ways that we can continue our education. And having that cycle of continued growth and reflection that professional development offers, I think is really important for all of us. Plus, you never know who you're going to meet at a professional development opportunity. Some of my very favorite people in the teaching profession and in the world have come from opportunities that I've had through Gilder Lerman and through Mount Vernon and through Monticello, all places where I went to go learn material, but I also found people that have become mentors and friends and people around the country and around the world that I'm able to bounce ideas off of. So make sure that you are setting that example as a lifelong learner. Make sure you're doing professional development. And part of that professional development might be joining professional organizations. I am an active member of the National Council of the Social Studies, of the New Jersey Council of the Social Studies, and the New Jersey Council for History Education. And I feel like it's important to be a part of those things because they offer resources as well as a place for social studies teachers to really get together and discuss issues that are part of our profession. And that is so invaluable because as we all know, our subject has become totally politicized over the last few years. And we need places that will have our back in times of need, that will help us teach current issues and teach about conflict in ways that are safe for our students and that are trauma-informed, but are also helping us do our very best for the kids who are in our classroom, as well as reminding us that even when a lot of the world is telling us that we're doing the wrong thing, that in fact we are doing the right thing by our students by talking to them about the truth in history and social studies. Additionally, so I guess this would be my fifth piece of advice, is gather your personal learning network in real life and online and just love them. My personal learning network is this amazing group of people from all over the country that just share ideas. Some of your best resources that you are going to get, in fact, all of your best resources that you are going to get as a teacher, I can guarantee you they will be free because the very best teachers share. And there are some people in my personal learning network that I just absolutely adore and I know that I can talk to them about what they're doing in their classes. They can talk to me about what I'm doing in mine. We share slide decks. We share new technology. We share books that we're reading. I mean, there are just some fabulous, fabulous social studies teachers out there for you to get to know. So part of your personal learning network might be your chair or your supervisor. I really hope that as a chair, as a department chair and supervisor at my school, that I am one of the go-tos in my department member's personal learning network because I wanna be that person for them. I love them. 
Other teachers in your building are part of your personal learning network, and they don't need to be in your department. There are some fantastic teachers in my building that are in other departments, and I clamor to go and watch them teach or hear about what they're doing in their classes because it's like magic when I watch them. Teachers on social media are your friends, and I am not kidding. You are going to find some wonderful, wonderful teachers on Twitter, and I have some examples for you. If you happen to be listening and I leave you out, it is absolutely nothing that you did. It's just a matter of time and space, and I love my entire Twitter personal learning network, so I want everybody to know that you are valued by me. Um, And teachers that you meet at professional development as well. There are some wonderful, wonderful people out there who are trying to do the same things as you are and have the same goals. And it's great to be able to talk to teachers from, I'm from the East Coast. I love talking to teachers from the Midwest and the West Coast and the South because their experiences aren't necessarily the same as mine. I like to talk to urban teachers and rural teachers because I'm a suburban teacher. There are so many, many opportunities that you have just by communicating with other people. And my last piece of advice, because I know that you've been listening to me talk for a while, and I hope that you are gathering plenty of advice from me to use in your classroom or to give to teachers that are working with you that may be first-year teachers or even your student teachers. My last piece of advice for you is to use already developed resources from reputable places. There are so many free resources for you out there that are being developed by amazing organizations all over the place. The National Constitution Center has incredible resources for you about the Constitution, go figure. The National Archives has incredible resources for you in finding primary source documents. The Gilder Lerman Institute for American History has an incredible website full of resources. You can go to book breaks and listen to authors every Sunday online for free when your school is an affiliate school. So find out if your school is an affiliate school and if they're not, it's free to apply. Mount Vernon has an excellent website, as does Monticello, for getting information, not just about Jefferson and Washington, but from many, many perspectives. They do a really great job at both monticello.org and mountvernon.org of seeing the world of the 18th century through many people's eyes, and they have lots of lesson plans for you to use. The Women and the American Story program out of the New York Historical Society has this awesome set of resources about women throughout American history, starting at pre-colonization and moving all the way into the present day. All the units aren't quite up yet, but they're being developed as we speak. And the resources not only include primary sources, but life stories and all about women and also activities, things that you can do with those. iCivics has games and lesson plans and fill-inables that you can use with your students. So please don't ever think that you are alone. Between your personal learning network and all of these amazing resources that you can find through these reputable organizations, you are never ever alone in teaching history and social studies. There are so many people out there who will help you, who want to help you, myself included. So don't ever think you need to reinvent the wheel. You do not. 
There are so many places that you can go. And a lot of times what I will do is I'll use some a little something from a whole bunch of different places and make something that is uniquely mine. So new history and social studies teacher or just new teacher, I want you to know that we're all here for you. You have an entire community of teachers and teachers as learners who want to see you be successful and effective and be that teacher that you've always dreamed of being. Because we're all always working toward that too and we know that we are better together. So if you're a new teacher or pre-service teacher listening, welcome to the family. And if you are not new, I'm glad you're a part of the family. Thank you so very much for listening to the Teaching History Her Way podcast this week and for listening to me give you advice. I appreciate every listener. I appreciate every download. And I'm so glad that you are letting me spread my message of being a more inclusive history and social studies teacher around the world. Have a wonderful week and I'll catch you next time.